Welcome to the Pat Mayo Experience, Week 5, Waiver, Wire, Pickup, Power Rankings, Week 4, Recap. We got some running back snap shares. Maybe we'll take a quick peek at the lines for Week number 5 on Sunday. Some Monday Night Football talk. We got it all for you. There's a viewer chat going on. I don't even know if I'm going to dip into that or not, but you guys can feel free to wrangle among yourselves, and I'll pop in every now and then in case someone does have a question that's like a real question, not something just incredibly stupid. But hey, that's like 99% of the comments get left on the internet anyway, so maybe I'll just wade through those and even read some of the stupidest ones possible. Either way, if you want to get into a draw for 20 DK bucks, very easy way to do so. In fact, there are three ways to do so for this show. Number one, smash the like button for the episode. Leave your DraftKings handle in the comment section, not the live chat the comment section and tell me if you had the number one waiver priority this week would you actually use it on anyone because i am leaning no to that uh, i would probably retain that for someone better to pop up on the waiver wire and if you had it last week you probably used it on wayne gallman in fact you're probably feeling pretty good about how that turned out at least after one week way number two to do so the audio podcast people you need to be downloading the audio podcast there's bonus shows up there extra content and hey what does it take like no data if you're on wi-fi you might as well help pat mayo out just a little bit so what you do is subscribe download rate and review five stars DraftKings handle in the comment and just something nice about the show the other way to do it go to my instagram page at the pme give that a quick follow if you see anything football related anything golf related anything mma related all you do is give that photo a quick heart leave your DraftKings handle in the comment section and boom you're in the draw for 20 dk bucks i got some winners for you from last week the winners of the week four giveaways for 20 dk dollars we have lockport 3121 mcalex 311 West the best 26, Mondi 76, Serpico HCS, CDW 74, J Det We 1, J Nels 20, TX Mayhem, K Rich 25. You have already been credited your 20 DK dollars. Thank you for smashing the like buttons and leaving the reviews and following me on Instagram. Hey, it can be worth your while if you get the random draw out of it. Now that we have gone through all of that i do want to let everyone know that the pat mayo experience listeners league for DraftKings, 15 dollars to play three max entry will be up probably later on monday once the link is released i will post it in the comment section and the description of this video and podcast if you want to hop in early and the week for running back snap shares and my waiver wire pickup power rankings and full injury report are in the description of this video and podcast if you want to follow along or just don't give a shit what i have to say and just want to see an actual list of facts hey there's that for you there too it's always posted on dkplaybook.com if you're ever looking for it joining me to recap week four and talk about the waiver wire and all these injuries from dk live it is once again steve buchanan what's going on my man my good man, I'm glad to hear you had a better Sunday than I did. Yeah, the big key to week four, especially from a gambling perspective, was just don't bet on much. I broke even with my props, but I got two of them at plus money, so a very slight win on that, and I lost the one spread I played. So I'm saying, like, good week for me, betting-wise, is I didn't lose my shirt. Like, I just ended up slightly down, and after the way a lot of these games turned out, I'm okay with that. Yeah, uh, I, I am so over betting the Falcons spread. Like, it's pretty apparent how bad they are. I was hoping they could actually cover against the Titans. Not even close. Like, they just absolutely look like absolute shit. I, I'm so done with the Falcons trying to cover the spread. If I bet the Falcons, maybe a money line here or there, but 
no more spread. I, I'm so done with that. So you're not big on Matt Ryan getting sacked on like fourth and two when they really need to get a <laughs> like it's funny when we did the pick show last Wednesday, the only great game I think that Tim, Jeff, and myself agreed on, and Jeff made it a super lock was Tennessee plus four. Like that is the ultimate Tennessee is sort of the ultimate team that just preys on a finesse team like the Falcons. Yeah, whenever you think the Titans are in a bad spot, they seem to come out and actually do well. And uh, like I said, I, I thought I had some faith in the Falcons here. You know, we saw how bad Marcus Mariota was in week three, thinking that I carry over to week four, but, you know, obviously not so much. So there we go with the Falcons. They are the bane of my existence when the uh, in the gambling world, at least. Have they? I mean, the only game that they covered was that Sunday night game against the Eagles because Aguilar dropped that touchdown past the end of the game, isn't it? That is correct. I think they've only covered uh, four times now since last season. Man, that's a real rough go for them. And now they're like with Tampa Bay getting the win and Carolina going on the road and winning at Houston and the Saints beating Dallas. Like they're really following like they're I don't want to say that they're done because I don't think any of those teams are like awesome, but they look significantly the worst of all those teams. Yeah, and it's amazing because the talent surrounding them is just, they have so much. Like, but you know, Julio Jones was pretty quiet in that game. Uh, Mohamed Sanu was really the only good spot in that one against Logan Ryan out of the slot. That was, uh, you know, pretty encouraging. But I kind of feel like we see that every couple of weeks from Sanu. He'll just absolutely go off in one of those games, and then you don't hear much from him either. But, you know, Calvin Ridley hasn't really got it going. You know, Devontae Freeman still doesn't look that great. Like, you know, I know he had the yards for carry last week, but he looked terrible this week. Edo Smith was okay. Uh, um, you know, still getting some work in the receiving game, but there's just a lot of guys underperforming right now, it feels like. And, you know, they have to pick it up at some point, you would think. Like, Matt Ryan's coming off a pretty good 2018, but it just really hasn't come over so far this season. But there's just a lot of talent on that team. I at least would feel good about them, you know, coming through in the end, but it's hard to like them right now. Yeah, the the biggest game that kind of stands out to me, if we're just going to stick on the Titans for a second, is this upcoming week five matchup it's bills at titans music city miracle revenge but i'd be super fired up for the bills if josh allen was starting but the poor patriots i mean imagine if anyone had done what the patriots did to josh allen to tom brady what would happen there like would that team ever be allowed to play football again Oh, it would be it would be amazing. But, you know, we kept saying this, how, you know, Josh Allen's kind of make those mistakes. And at some point it's going to catch up to them. This I, is a I'm not I'm not worried about that. I'm worried about head targeting a quarterback on the other team. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, that's that's definitely something there. That was that was rough. But yeah, with the pages, it just kind of gets swept under the rug. I was like, oh, you know, that's football. That was a that was an awful hit. Like, you know, I'm a Patriots fan, but, you know, I, I'm definitely not a homer when it comes to that. That, that was a, that was a terrible hit. But it's a Patriots. will so just kind of get swept under the rug. Twitter will have its, you know, its day and they'll go on and on about the Patriots. But nothing's going to happen because there's no suspension coming. There's no hearings coming on that. But that, that was a rough hit. And, you know, Josh Allen, for him, be able to run off the field run to the locker room on his own was pretty amazing figuring how hard that hit was even in slow motion. It looked awful. Yeah. I thought he was unconscious on the field. Then all of a sudden it was like, you know, just laying there. It's like the undertaker being on the ground and being like, Whoa, and he would just pop back up. And then he was like running, but he couldn't quite run in a straight line. He definitely would have failed a DUI side of the road test uh, in like the 10 minutes afterwards. And like we were talking, like, is Josh Allen going to come back into this game? Like, is he okay? Because like even when they, they sat him down in like the blue medical tent before it went up, he was looking kind of woozy. But then they let him run to the back all by himself. And I was like, on oh. his own. 
I was like, oh, I guess if no one, if he doesn't have like a helper with him, I, I guess he must be okay. And then we didn't see him. I was like, there's a chance he's just like really concussed and got lost in the stadium somewhere. Like he's just kind of wandering around, not knowing what's going on. But there's been no word <laughs> on how severe this concussion is, whether it was, I assume it was a concussion because he basically got knocked out on the field. But oh, if, he, yeah, he, if he, he that, if this, if, that wasn't a concussion. I'd be shocked. Like he got nailed. And, but yeah, I was so surprised he ran to the back by himself. I expected somebody to be with him, but well, he was just on his mosey way, going to the locker room, looking fine. But yeah, obviously when he didn't come back during the, uh, the start of the second half, I, I figured that he was done. Yeah. Well, now, now that my son can crawl a bit, it, it happens with me all the time. Like I'll just Uh-oh. be on my computer B- before I would just kind of sit him in front of me, give him some toys. And I'm like, Oh, I look down and he's, still right there now i'm on my computer i look up and he's fucking gone it's like oh he's around the other side of the couch <laughs> that may be what happened with josh allen they're like okay josh you sit here he's like ah and just running in the back because he's going nuts i got shoes for hands everybody that's kind of yeah that's kind of what it felt like <laughs> it, it, it's that or the bills like can't afford to have extra people to help out injured players so they're like you're on your own pal figure it out that could be very true that could be very true but uh yeah that was pretty wild uh you know it's I don't want to be one of those guys, but it's like there's no place in football for stuff like that. Even with, you know, Vontae Burfick and his ridiculous hit and pandering to the crowd after his ejection. So glad to see he's gone for the rest of the year, too. So the biggest thing, I mean, Vontae Burfick is now suspended for the season. That has come out. Yeah, he's now. gone. That, I mean, I'm not surprised, but at the same time, I am surprised by it. Like, I guess if he doesn't have the track injury of head targeting uh, based on the past decade, he probably doesn't get suspended for the year. But if I'm the NFLPA, I'm filing a grievance on his behalf because that seems you can beat up your wife and get two games or none. But if you get head targeting, you get the that's the line is head targeting. Like, I agree with it. Like, I think he should be suspended for the year. But based on all these other suspensions, I think he actually does have a legitimate grievance. No, and, you know, it's, I, I would have to agree with you here. I think what it was is obviously the track record doesn't help. Like I said, the pandering to the crowd as he's running out of the stadium, that didn't help his case either because obviously that just shows he has no remorse. You know what I mean? Just playing it up to the crowd and whatnot. But this is a guy that has a track record. But, yes, if I think he does have a case, like you're saying here, I mean, some of the lack of suspensions that we've seen so far in the NFL have just been absolutely asinine. So for this to be the one to get somebody out of the league for the whole year, yeah, he might have a case and, you know, just put it on the long line of uh, mistakes made by the NFL. Yeah, and if this ends up becoming the precedent, I think that's why the union would probably end up stepping in. Maybe they're just like, we don't give a fuck about Vontez Perfect, and he can just go rot away <laughs> not getting paid. It probably lo- it, like it looks bad on them if they have to go to defend him. But as a union, I think you do have to take up that grievance just so this doesn't get set as the precedent. And like, w- w- what is it then? Like, if you're Vontez Perfect and you have this history, if you let's say you have a minimal history, let's say you've done this once, then you do it again. Can they just suspend you? For the entire season now, like there needs to be a rhyme or reason to these rules, and that might end up getting him back in, I think. Well, with so much being focused on concussions now, and then um, I I saw something that they want to do, like make a different helmet or something. I don't know if that's just like a fan thing. I I don't know. But like, obviously, there's so much focus on the concussions and all that, that like it it would just be such a bad look to have to go and defend somebody like that, because that's what the league is focused on so much. So this is actually my turn to be uh, something rather interesting as the weeks go on. All right, we'll continue recapping the week here. Um, I want to talk about the Power Five, though. The Power Five teams in our power rankings right now. And the way that I like to think about it isn't like who is the best team at the moment, which teams are set up for the rest of the season, essentially. Because I can really only come up like 
One and two you can put in any order. I think the Patriots probably inched ahead of the Chiefs, although neither were super impressive, but they both ended up getting the win, so it was good to go. So I have the Patriots at one. I have the Chiefs at number two. And then it's just like a long list of NFC teams. I actually put the Saints number three only because I think the defense is getting healthier. Um, I don't even know if the defense was all that great in the Sunday night game or Kellen Moore was just like, you know what? We've had a lot of success throwing the ball downfield all season long in the first three weeks. Now what we're going to do is run it up the middle for two yards every time and not go anywhere and then punt all the time. Like it was a really poor game plan against the saints. I know that Lattimore was shutting down Cooper, but like shockingly they have other receivers they could have thrown to. Well, I, you notice too, that since Gallup has been out of the lineup, uh, you know, teams can basically eliminate Amari Cooper and there's really not much else. Like I thought this was going to be a good game for Randall Cobb because, you know, PJ Williams covering the slot has been an area that you can kind of target, but you know, Randall Cobb was pretty much non-existent. Devin Smith didn't do much. So if you're stopping Cooper, it just doesn't seem like they have much of a game player here. Like I, I never expected to be here in week five and talking about, well, they really need to get Gallup back in the lineup, but that's what it kind of feels like right now. At least it opens up something for Cooper. Gallup brings a different dynamic to this. There's just, he's not somebody I expected to be like, they really need him back in the lineup, but that's what it kind of feels like. At least that's what it kind of felt like last night. Like obviously both sides didn't look that great defensively. They look good. The Cowboys secondary is still, I feel like a bit untested. They really haven't faced anybody that, you know, you're worried about. They faced, you know, the dolphins and such, but it was a poor game overall, but I think Gallup is more of a uh, pivotal part of this offense. And I think we would have expected coming into the season. And information was released on Sunday that he actually is projected to be closer to that four week out than the two week out with the knee injury than originally yep. thought be like, Oh yeah, he'll come back after two weeks. Everything will be fine. But I don't even think like Devin Smith or Randall Cobb weren't open in this game. It's just like they didn't Dak didn't want to throw to them. And the game plan was just set up that we're not getting these guys involved whatsoever. Like I know Witten ended up putting the ball on the ground, but even between throwing to Jarwin and Witten, like those guys were open in the seams the entire game. And every time they threw to him, it was a huge game. And again, we're just, we're not going back to this. The biggest thing with Dallas right now um, is going to be that Tyron Smith uh, has a high ankle sprain. He's going to miss like four to eight weeks here. And he is the most important part of that Dallas offensive line that eventually you hope that you can get him back at a hundred percent health if you're really going to challenge for a Super Bowl this year. But that could really impact Ezekiel Elliott. I was encouraged with the way that they used him in the passing game. And for fantasy-wise, I mean, like you're going to continue to pile up those cheap PPR points. Uh, we saw in a game that's competitive, we have no mention of Tony Pollard whatsoever. That you know, that was yep. one of the biggest things. Like we've talked about this with Josh Jacobs. Like he's going to be completely game flow dependent. It does seem like Zeke's ability to play Christian McCaffrey-esque snaps anytime that they're not just absolutely waxing the opponent. It's going to be Zeke on the field, which is great news. I wouldn't like to bump him down too much. He's still going to be a top four, top five running back when you look at the weekly rankings because there's only so few that play that many snaps. But this could really hurt just the overall. Maybe it just forces them to pass more, which is probably a good thing. They entered this game with the second most yards per attempt of any team in football, only behind Kansas City, and they just decided to completely abandon that strategy. In week four. Yeah, and then it's going to be interesting, too, because now next week they're facing the Packers. Now, the Packers secondary has been pretty damn good where they've been getting, you know, gouges on the ground. So, you know, what better matchup for Zeke to kind of bounce back here against the Packers? But, yeah, it's, you know, for 
to have that type of injury and then have Zeke's, you know, have a pretty mediocre game on the ground overall, you know, obviously, like you mentioned, the PPR points is really what kind of saved him here. You know, that's definitely concerning moving forward. Like the Jets, that's in a couple of weeks. They've been pretty good on the ground. So there's going to be some matchups here that we're going to have to, you know, really kind of gauge him. He's a start every week. Like that's no doubt, but that's a big injury to have to deal with, you know, moving forward this early in the season too, as well. So New England, Kansas City, like I said, New Orleans at number three. And yes, the win against Dallas. Not that I thought that the Saints looked particularly good because they didn't. But the fact that they can tread water here, especially if they can end up beating Tampa Bay in week five, get to four and one, take the division lead. Then you're just bridging the gap until Breeze comes back. And if Breeze can come back healthy, even like the movement that he had in his thumb, I'm no doctor as people know but listening to doctors talk about it like they're surprised about how much mobility he has and that was going to be the thing that would you know really hamper him coming back how long until he could actually grip the football now he's probably still out another four to six weeks but even if they can basically play a game above 500 let's say they win this week and then they can go 500 until breeze comes back like they're very clearly in the driver's seat not only in the division but they get a huge boost obviously because teddy bridgewater is not very good man No, he's not. But like, at least he's keeping these games close. Like he's keeping the team, you know, the Saints in the game. Like there's nothing I look at and I go, well, he actually looks pretty good this week. Like he he just does enough, I guess is the best way to put it. You know, they obviously keep leaning on Kamara. That's going to be something moving forward. But there's just like he's not he hasn't been terrible he's been better than I expected I guess I'll put it that way but it's not like you're rushing out to start him or anything like that but you know they haven't lost the games that he started so I don't know he's they keep going back to oh you know well he was this great talent with the Vikings and you know he led them so far into the season but it's like we got to get off this he's a mediocre quarterback at best right now but luckily for him he's got a lot of talent surrounding him to at least make some plays Sure. I mean, he's one of the better backups in the league, I think. And this is why you're a backup quarterback. Highest not a, not, not a, highest paid is one thing, but like Chase Daniel, like he, he and Chase Daniel are probably equally as good at this point. So, I mean, Chase Daniels made a, made a pretty, made himself pretty wealthy being a backup quarterback in the NFL. Now he might have to start for a few weeks unless the Bears go out and get someone else. That game was just like, I tried watching it and I had it on the entire time, but like you'd watch it for like, 30 seconds to be like, Oh God, like what is going on here? Like I, if I own Thielen or Diggs, I know Diggs had the bigger game and Thielen has never really had yeah. a lot of success uh, against the bears over the course of his career. But you have to be, is this bad performance and lack of passing just overall? Like they're basically turning into the Titans and the Titans shockingly in the first half, didn't just run on first down all the time. And all of a sudden guys are wide open. Like, Oh, you've, you've really lulled them in running off play action a little bit, but with, the Vikings, like, they just do not want to pass whatsoever that eventually they have to snap out of this or they're going to be, depending on the strength of their schedule, like, they're looking at 8-8 eight and eight at best in one of these mediocre teams. They jump out 10 nothing on them. It feels like Minnesota doesn't know what to do. Yeah, and, um, you know, I don't know what the exact quote was, but Adam Thielen after the game was basically complaining that, you know, if we start passing more, things can actually happen. And, you know, I don't disagree with him. I mean, you saw Stephon Diggs. He caught all seven of his targets, you know, at 108 yards. That's what what that that's what this team can do. Like, there's nothing wrong with utilizing Dalvin Cook as much as he's been used. I mean, he's been phenomenal. You know, uh, he gets the PPR points. You know, he gets the rushing yards. Uh, you know, you weren't expecting a big game from him against this uh, this Bears defense this week, but 
they just have such talented receivers and they're just literally ghosting them each, you know, week in and week out. And Diggs kind of showed that this is what they can do to get back in these games. Like for the Vikings to put up six points against his bears defense, like you, it's gotta be more than that. Like the bears have one of the best defenses in the league. There's no doubt about that. You know, they're, I, I just I'm so confused at their game plan each and every week. Like I know they're so committed to the run here, but Diggs is a very capable receiver. Thielen is a very capable receiver. Rudolph, even you know, he, he, we've seen him do well before as well. They're just not utilizing these guys enough, and here they are, you know, basically middling through the season, and we're already in week five. It's it's pretty amazing how they're running this team right now. I don't want to play the recency bias games with a lot of these teams. So my entire five, New England, Kansas City, New Orleans, Green Bay, and Dallas, I have as the top five. But like I said, there's two teams, and you can arguably make a case for who's three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten at this point. But with Green Bay, I don't want to overreact too much to that loss Thursday night. It's a short week. Uh, the defense did not look quite as good as maybe we all expected them to be. But again, it's just one week. I've sometimes had people have letdown games. Like the Colts are not as bad as they looked against the Raiders. It's just sometimes you get into an overlooked spot with the Chiefs coming up on the schedule. They were like, oh, we'll just breeze past Oakland and eliminate everyone, not eliminate everyone from Survivor and get ready for the Chiefs. And then, as it turns out, they lose. And a lot of people, including Tim Andercus, were knocked out of Survivor Leagues this week. That's why you just play against the Dolphins, which becomes a big conundrum this week because the Dolphins have a bye week. But we'll get into that. <laughs> we'll get into that on the Wednesday show. But like, who do you have as your top five? Yeah, so this was tough for me. I think this is the first week where I actually really had to sit and try to figure it out. So the Patriots at number one, uh, the Chiefs at number two. I got the Saints at three. The Cowboys, I'm still sticking at four. But I literally, I think there's like four or five teams I could easily be in the four or five spot. I'm going to keep the Rams at five, too, as well. Like, you know, if you you're throwing for over 500 yards and you know, you're still scoring over 40 points. Like at least you got something going on, but I mean, honestly, I think the Seahawks are kind of sneaking up there too as well. Like I wouldn't have them in the top five, but they keep moving up and up for me each and every week. But like I said, I landed on Patriots, chiefs, saints, Cowboys, Rams. So the, the teams on the periphery that I had that could have easily been number three, four, and five, uh, the Niners, the Ravens, the Seahawks, the Rams, the Panthers, the Bears, the Lions, the Chargers, Jacksonville, <laughs> Houston, and Buffalo. So the rest of the league, basically, is but what it like, comes down all to. those teams seem so close. Like I, you, you said you were frustrated yeah. with Atlanta. I'm super frustrated with Houston. I just can't figure out what they're up to. And then, then they play each other this week. That's going to be no fun. No, it's not at all. And maybe this actually will be a week where Watson doesn't get sacked six times in a game. That's because that's, that's still an issue. Obviously, I think he got. I think he had six last week. But uh, that offensive line, man, that is so so bad. Watson. I think that's just half the problem is that Watson can't get comfortable in the pocket because he's constantly running for his life back there. Yeah, and they end up. Uh... They end up losing Kenny Stills in that game too. So they're playing Duke Johnson more all the time. Just littler guys on the field. I, I think part of the problem is, yes, the offensive line is really bad. And shockingly enough, one guy trading for Laramie Tunsil is not going to fix an offensive line. Uh, you're only as good as your weakest link when it comes up there because people can just, just bull rush that guy and get right through. But Watson's so good, almost like Big Ben in a way, at avoiding the pass rush and shaking guys off and extending plays. Is, that's leading to a lot of the sacks as well. It's not like one guy is just beating someone on the edge and coming and dropping Watson. Like He's extending these plays, looking downfield, and the fact that he's trying to extend them so much is leading to a lot of these sacks. 
No, for sure. And obviously that's going to be a big problem here, but I'm just surprised with the lack of production from the receivers. And obviously that probably has, you know, something to do with it, but like Will Fuller has just been non-existent all season long. And actually this is a game where I thought we could kind of get a get right spot for him uh, against the Panthers. Cause you know, we figured Bradbury is going to be on Hopkins. So that could leave some, uh, some open looks for Fuller. And even with stills leaving early, Fuller was almost non-existent, but you know, at least Duke Johnson got something in this game. Like even when he only carried the ball six times, but he still had 56 yards. Like, at least when he's carrying the ball, he's actually getting some good production on them, but they just kind of look like a mess right now. After Hopkins, it's just really no solidified number two. It was starting to look like stills. He was getting those in some of those deep shots, but you know, Will Fuller has just been almost non-existent here. You know, Kiki Kuti, who a lot of people were high on before the season, almost absolutely nothing. Stills has kind of taken over that role for him. So maybe we'll start seeing more from Kiki uh, if stills ends up being out next week, but it's just, there's, they just have no flow, it feels like. It just kind of feels like a jumbled mess every drive they take. Will Fuller was around four inches away from breaking off an 80-yard yeah, touchdown. 75-yard, yeah. yeah. Watson just threw it just a bit. It's it's tough if you're out-throwing Will Fuller down the field. That means you really have a, <laughs> a cannon. Unlike Dak on the final play of the game, maybe that was a design throw it short and try to like hook and ladder like Kelsey to McCoy. But it didn't even... At the end of the game, when they threw the Hail Mary, the Cowboys game, it looked like Dak threw it off his back foot for some reason. (laughs) Yeah, I noticed that too. And uh, I I don't know what the game plan was there. It was such an odd call. I remember watching and just being so confused with what the plan was there. But it it was an odd throw. I thought, you know, kind of an odd play call there. I I don't know. All right, let's jump into the running backs then for the week five waiver wire pickups i do want to talk about two running backs off the hop before we actually get into the pickups because frankly the pickups aren't great this week you're not really burning anything uh, and if you play in a deep league a lot of these guys are probably gone if you play in a shallow league you likely have better options than the frank gores of the world have just been at the top of this list the entire time frank gordon even played the most snaps on the bills this week and i don't know how great that offense is going to be moving forward i know josh allen was not good in buffalo last week but matt barkley is not going to be Uh, anything better and at least Josh Allen moves the offense and frankly I mean I guarantee I would wager you watched a lot of that game in general after the Bills picked off Brady uh, on like the one yard line they had all the momentum in that game and all of a sudden Josh Allen actually started looking good yeah he did and uh, honestly like you know I know we're kind of ragging on Gore here but he looked pretty damn good like, I, I can't deny that. Like, that 41-yard rush that he had, I think he broke about three or four tackles in route to heading down the field there. But I was surprised with the difference in snap counts there when you released it there, 54% for Yeldon, uh, 46 for Gore. And then you kind of look ahead towards this week now, and it's probably more favorable of a game for Yeldon and Singletary if he is active against the Titans. You know, they've been a pretty fairly good run defense thus far. So I don't know how much I like Gore in that spot, but I thought they did look good on that drive. Um, but that's kind of how it's been with Allen. He's, you know, the we talked about it last week, the kind of the peaks and valleys with him and there's just no consistency, but I thought Frank Gore looked damn good um, yesterday, especially on that 41 yard run. That was pretty impressive for uh, old man Gore. So the two running backs I want to talk about it 
in terms of their season-long fantasy value. One being Nick Chubb, who went absolutely bananas against the Ravens. He was a part of the DraftKings Millionaire Maker winning team with his 40-plus DraftKings points. The other one is Austin Eckler and Melvin Gordon. Now, Chris Meany and I broke this down a little bit on last Friday's show about the trade targets that we would want for Melvin Gordon, what to do with Austin Eckler. But do you think that the return of Kareem Hunt when he eventually comes back is going to take away from Nick Chubb? Because I don't know if it is. Like, I don't know how much Dontrell Hilliard will see when Kareem Hunt comes back. But going away from Nick Chubb at this point just seems insane. No, I mean, he, I mean, at least it's still early, but I mean, he has a legitimate chance of leading the re- league in rushing yards. And obviously, you know, yesterday he certainly helped pad the lead there, but it's just, I, I just don't see it with hunts. Like, you know, it, it's very similar to the Eckler Melvin Gordon role. You know, maybe we see more of like a 70 30 to start out. I mean, it's going to be so late in the year because I think when hunt comes back, then they have a buy. So I don't think he's even back until week 10. So I mean, Chubb is by far the more talented back, I think, comparing the two right now. Obviously, we haven't seen Hunt this season. You know, can't say that. But even just going back from last year, you know, Hunt was in such a different offense that he's going to be in this season. So I, I like Chubb so much more here. Like, I actually have Hunt stashed right now just because I took him as like a late, you know, last Okay, so, so, so if that's the case, then you are concerned. I mean, there obviously has to be a concern. I mean, it's not like we're talking about, you know, when Saquon Barkley comes back, are we going to keep seeing the Wayne Gallman? Like, no, that's not even a question. But we're talking about Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt here. Like, he definitely is going to get some looks. He's going to get some touches. But is he going to be out snapping Chubb? Like, I don't see that happening at all. But for somebody who's a nice RB2 compliment, I have no problem, you know, keeping Hunt on my bench. You know, obviously, if it's as a handcuff too as well, that's obviously you can't get one of the better handcuffs in Kareem Hunt. Maybe I'm not even he had sports hernia surgery at the end of August, so he should return fully healthy with that rehab. But even just looking at the snap share that Chubb is getting every week, it's between like 60 and 80 percent, depending on how the game flow goes. We saw it in certain certain situations because the game got out of hand. And even a lot of third downs and passing downs that Dontrell Hilliard was on the field. He actually played 36 percent of the snaps. That's abnormally high for Dontrell Hilliard. But when you don't expect to beat the Ravens by so many goddamn points, then you're going to end up just doing a bit of different things on the offensive side of the ball. But he was playing a lot of these third downs that I just don't think it takes away from Chubb at all. Like if he had, if he was getting a Christian McCaffrey, 100% of the snap shares, I would say that, yeah, it's going to impact his overall fantasy numbers, but like Hilliard stolen two touchdowns already from Chubb at the goal line this season. Now he didn't really steal the one against the Ravens. Chubb just wasn't playing, but in week one, he did. Uh, So hunt will steal a touchdown here or there. Like, I don't think that hunt has a whole lot of value outside of a handcuff. Like if he's not going to be back for another six weeks, at least I, I don't see the point of having him on your team unless Chubb gets hurt right and you know obviously the you have him there because if he does get hurt obviously like I said he's probably one of the better handcuffs in the league when he's healthy Uh, I'm sorry when he's playing but yeah I mean Chubb just absolutely has a stranglehold on this offense here on the RB1 duties like what I, I want to like Chubb more because of how good you know this offense can be not how they've been so far how they can be but you know if Hilliard's Hilliard's not going to be a factor here but I, I I just have him, like I said, just as a handcuff, but I think it just might be nothing more than that. Yeah, I, I, he's probably not worth owning if you need the bench space right now, to tell you the truth. The other guy... No, I would not be... I would, if you need the bench space, he's a he's a drop. Like, that's definitely not a question. But if you have the bench space to, uh, to spare, then there's no problem keeping him on your team. 
So the other one is Austin Eckler, who him and the young Pope ended up just eating up the Miami Dolphins with Melvin Gordon, just yucking it up on the sidelines, never picked up his helmet once, just wearing his hat, but he was back in uniform and he should get more run in week five. I don't know if it's going to be back to his full-time role because he still needs a condition and do everything like that, get integrated back in. But I would think like a 50-50 timeshare is that we're looking back to a situation like we had last season where you know Gordon's going to be I would guess likely the goal line back and he's going to play a lot of the early down work, but Eckler's going to Eckler will still be a factor in this offense. Now he's not going to be the number two ranked running back coming into the week anymore, but he'll probably with so many timeshares, like when we talk about like legit number one guys, there's like five of them right now. So if you have someone like Austin Eckler, who we I'd project to play anywhere between 40 to 55% of the snaps on any given week, depending on the game flow, he might not have that touchdown upside that comes along with it. But if you can pencil him in for like eight to 13 touches a game, knowing a lot of those are going to be receptions. I still think that he's like a fringe top 25 running back. And you want to talk about handcuffs. He remains the best handcuff in all of fantasy, just because he's the number two guy in this offense. And we know what his role is. If Melvin Gordon doesn't exist. And after talking with Dr. Jesse Morris at the beginning of the season, these holdout guys are very susceptible to to re-injury because they're coming in without any training camp, without any preseason. They're basically just coming off the streets. You can condition yourself and practice as, much as you want but just one bad hit your body is not used to building up just sort of the the what's the word that i'm looking for yeah it's not thick skin now i can't even remember i'm just going on a weird rant that i can't even get off of anyway my idea would be i think you can trade for austin eckler right now as a buy low because people are panicking and they want to get rid of like people will think that they're selling high on austin eckler i'm not saying trade the world for austin eckler but i think you can get him relatively cheap for what his actual value might be the rest of the season no, and I kind of think of it as like with the Patriots. So, you know, Sony Michelle is supposed to be. Is the there RB1 any? There, is but... there anything in your world that you can't just think about the Patriots and that's how you link them up? Well, I think this is a good example. It's not. Get it, it, ex- no, this has nothing to do with the Patriots. But let me hear this awful example with the Patriots, please. <laughs> So Sonny Michelle is supposed to be the solidified number one, but James White is still an excellent compliment because he gets those PPR points, because he gets a ton of targets. Like that could be the role that Austin Eckler has. You look at this week too. So obviously Gordon didn't take the field this week. Now they're going to go in and face the Broncos, who's a very poor run defense. Like it wouldn't surprise me if Eckler is still the number one back in this game. I'm, I don't I don't think that Gordon's going to go out there and start taking the lion's share of the carries here. Like a 70-30 split, 60-40 sounds probably more realistic. So at least you you get them in a good matchup this week and they got a really favorable matchup for the run in the coming weeks they got the Steelers coming up the Titans you know the Bears is not a great one Packers Raiders like there's a, a Chiefs there's a lot of good matchups coming up so I th- still think that there's plenty of opportunities for Eckler especially in PPR formats to excel here how is that not a good example because we don't ever know what's going on in the Patriots' backfield. We have a script of how this works for the Chargers' backfield. Like, no one thinks that, like, Sony is all that great. They dra- they end up drafting another running back who they can't even activate. Brandon Bolden comes in and steals <laughs> touchdowns. And you never know if it's going to be a Rex Burkhead 70% week. Like, that's not how this Chargers' backfield is going to work. Gordon's going to be the guy. Eckler is going to be basically a beep. It's an A minus for Gordon, a B plus for Eckler. That's how this is going to work. Like, in an ideal world, it's probably going to be a 60 to 50 or 60 to 40 split uh, on average. That means some weeks Eckler is going to be 35. Some weeks he's going to be 55, but he's going to be somewhere in that realm. You don't know what's happening in the Patriots backfield every week. 
No, and, and that's for sure. But uh, like I said, at least you can you can rely on Eckler for those targets. I think like he's going to be you know well used in those passing down backs. Like I know Gordon can do the same, but like we've just seen so much efficiency from Eckler. Like at the end of the day, like it should be Eckler in this role. Like I think I would prefer him over Melvin Gordon on a week to week basis. But I just think that the guard that the Chargers would be smart to use him in that type of role, like a James White or whatnot. Patriots. But I, I that's that's what I think makes the most sense. If you know Gordon is our goal line guy you know moving the sticks and then Eckler is more there for the passing down plays I think that will make the most sense for them but you know we'll have to see but I think this will be a good nation against a poor uh, Broncos run defense this week yeah yeah it's gonna be difficult because the Chargers actually throw to their running backs on first and second down a lot like far above the league average that Gordon is not going to be devoid of receiving. You might even just see situations where it's two Melvin Gordon drives to one Austin Eckler drive, or if someone gets gas, they just end up switching it up. Uh, I think that you're going to see both of them in, but if Melvin Gordon is talking about it, I mean, he just held out. He's not going to get a new contract from the Chargers. They might just run him no. into the ground. <laughs> <laughs> which you know on, on their part would be smart but yeah there's definitely no chance that uh, these two teams are uh, reunited at the end of the year but uh I, I have heard that too as well what you just mentioned it would make a lot of sense from their standpoint might as well get whatever we can get out of this guy before he ends up walking at the end of the year but you know uh i i just i, I would like to see eckler more involved but you know we'll obviously have to wait and see but you know the steelers the titans coming up the bears like there's some at least some favorable matchups from both ends for both of them you think the Bears are a favorable matchup? Uh, that would be one that I would not say is, but um, I was just naming off their schedule for the next few weeks. Fair <laughs> That's probably going to be the toughest matchup. All right, so the full injury report at running back from week four. Marlon Mack uh, has an ankle injury. He exited the game. He did not return, and there's still no word on the severity of it yet. So it could be low ankle. It could be high ankle. It could be nothing. He could have twisted his ankle, and they were like, well, we're going to lose this game anyway. No big re- no big deal to bring Marlon Mack back in. Uh, so until we get more concrete news on that, it can't affect the pickups too much. But Jamal Williams, uh, he got absolutely wiped out in the Thursday night game, but he gets the extended week. Uh, he's not practicing on Monday as of right now, but he could end up playing by the end of the week. So keep an eye on him. It would just be a lock in Aaron Jones, even though it is against the Cowboys. It's just going to be a situation where he'll play 80 to 85% of the snaps. So you can feel good about Aaron Jones in this situation. Justin Jackson, the other part of, uh, of that Chargers backfield did not play on Sunday with a calf problem. So he's probably kind of written off with Melvin Gordon coming back. Barkley is out likely another three to eight weeks. They're calling him week to week right now. They're, he's shed his walking boot already. So that is encouraging news if you're a Saquon Barkley owner out there, but I still probably wouldn't expect him for another three weeks or so. Damian Williams missed his second straight game. No word yet on whether he's going to go on Sunday. I'd guess he and Devin Singletary will likely be back. Uh, the Seahawks have already said it looks like Rashad Penny is going to play in the Thursday night game. So you're going to have to downgrade Chris Carson one week after he just rebounded in a very nice way. And then CJ Prosite stole his touchdown. Tevin Coleman, no word on him yet returning to the 49ers, but with a high ankle sprain, I would guess he misses at least another week or two. So if you're streaming Jeff Wilson looking for touchdowns, you got like one more week of it. So those are the injuries. If the actual pickups uh, at running back this week, I have Gore at number one just because he's their starting running back and he is not owned in 60% of leagues. And I get it. I I mean, I I don't want to own Frank Gore either, but if you're in a pinch, you know, that happens. Jordan Howard, Carlos Hyde, Jordan Wilkins, Raheem Mostert, Colonel Mostert, Rashad Penny, 
Ronald Jones, Chris Thompson, Daryl Williams, Latavius Murray, who now has dropped below the threshold of 60%. The Murray thing would be something to consider later on in the year. I have Naheem Hines at number 11, too. So maybe this is the one thing to talk about here. Like, I don't want to own, much like Frank Gore, I don't want to own Jordan Howard, but he is a guy who touches the ball in a good offense near the goal line that does have value, except for the week that you play him, and he's going to end up scoring zero points because that's also what he can do. Uh, Frank Gore is a bit safer than that, at least on a yards per game level of getting you like six points or something like that. Howard's just an absolute crapshoot, but we've now saw what his upside was Thursday night that he probably should be owned, especially in deeper formats. But if Marlon Mack actually misses this game against Kansas City, it's a good matchup to run on. We just saw on Johnson have a lot of success until he got near the three-yard line, then they couldn't go anywhere. But between Wilkins and Naheem Hines, if those are going to be the two backs that the Colts run out in a game where the Chiefs are favored by a bunch of points, you would expect Indianapolis to be down in this game. Would you rather have Wilkins or Hines? Yeah, I think you got this ass backwards. Uh, I think it's Hines. Like, I, I don't know why Wilkins is as high as it, on your ranks as it is. I mean, so Mac didn't touch the ball in the fourth quarter. We saw Wilkins only draw one target, and then Hines had four targets uh, and two rushes. And then when we look at last year when Mac wasn't on the field, Hines played on 44.6% of the snaps, 64.7% red zone carries, compared to Wilkins, who only played on 32% of the snaps and only a 14.7 red zone carry. So to me, I think Hines is a much more attractive option here. Uh, you know, it's, it's going to end up being a likely 50-50 split if Mac is out of this game, but I think Hines should be way higher um, than Wilkins that you have here in your rankings. That was uh, a little confusing. I thought maybe you just made a, you know, a late-night error, so I'm here to confirm that's your actual rank. Oh, yes, they are the actual rankings. I like this piece. Here we go. <laughs> so the big thing in this game is going to be it's all going to depend on game flow. If the chiefs end up just striking out and going 14, nothing after the first quarter, which as we know, they score all their points in the second quarter. Wilkins will be the starting running back in this game and get the carries for as long as this is a game. And if Darius Leonard is back, we know that hooker is going to be out another three to six weeks, but if Leonard comes back, you can slow them down a little bit. If there's one thing that we have seen is that you can run on the Chiefs. So the Colts game plan, at least through, a quarter and a half is going to be turn around and hand the ball to Jordan Wilkins. And I think he can have success on the ground. That's a way to eat up clock time, keep the chiefs off the field. It's the defense can hold up just a little bit. I think that Wilkins has a better chance of having the bigger game in this opportunity. He's the one, unless they are just down 21, 28 points, he's going to be on the field in the goal line packages. He's the one who's going to be handling all the rushing. The problem is they do fall behind. He is going to see the bench, like you mentioned, and Hines is going to be in the field because they will be in pure passing mode. And that's how Hines ends up getting on in the red zone near the goal line is just they're passing the entire time. So he's not coming off the field. If you think the Colts can keep this somewhat close and somewhat competitive, Wilkins is the guy that you would rather have. No, and I agree, but obviously we have to watch the health of T.Y. Hilton. I believe he's going to be in this game because uh, I think he was close to playing this week, but they didn't end up running him out there. So that obviously makes a huge difference as well because, you know, there's going to be a lot of point opportunities in this game. So if Hilton is out, Mac is out, well, we've got a massive problem here for the Colts offense. So, I, I, like I said, I still think it's Hines. I still, I still think he's the more attractive option here. Like I mentioned, you know, last year when he was off, uh, Mac was off the field, 64% red zone carries for Hines here. And, you know, obviously they're most likely going to be playing catch-up against the Chiefs, although they've been falling to Hines pretty early in the game, but they've been able to obviously come back. But I, I, I like Hines a lot more than, um, uh, than Wilkins in this spot. 
it, it's a you probably can't play Heinz in non PPR formats, and it's a situation that where he, I would agree. With. It's a situation where he's widely available, but if you do think that the Colts can get it going on the ground, Wilkins is the better option there, and the touchdown upside, I believe. And this isn't to say that Hines can't score touchdowns in the right opportunity. I just think that more opportunity will be given to Jordan Wilkins in the correct circumstance. Now, this might not even be a thing because we might find out that Marlon Mack is fine. Then you don't right. want either of these guys. So the waiver wire rankings, at least mine, which you find in the description of this video or podcast, will be updated all the way through Tuesday evening. And that way, if we do get Marlon Mack news, I can adjust these guys up. Like if Marlon Mack is out, I probably end up making Wilkins my number one pickup of the week because you could probably use him. And Hines probably gets lifted into that Chris Thompson territory because that's what he is he is chris thompson <laughs> that's actually a pretty good comparison the only thing i will say that's probably not in max favors obviously that was a close game and he didn't play the field at all during the fourth quarter when they obviously could have used him this is a team that was without their number one receiver so now we're getting a you yeah, know, but, but, big they, but they weren't gonna play marlon mack in a spot where they were down 20 points they just weren't which is true but i i, I don't know like you know like if they got close to the goal line you wouldn't think they would run him back out there maybe but they didn't have enough time to continue running the ball like they had to pass that's yeah. why that's why Heinz sees the field he is their pass catching back yeah okay yeah fair fair so I guess we'll run with that all right so wide receivers a lot of wide receiver injuries this week so yes so watch out if you have any of these guys on your team it's an entire list here so I'm just going to run right through them all Jarvis Landry suffered a concussion Devonte Adams is dealing with turf toe they said it's not significant but turf toe is significant so most turf toe injuries go at least three weeks uh, until you can at least start returning to full health. Now, I don't know what the timeline is going to be on him. I would not expect him to play this week. So if you're leaning on Devontae Adams, don't count on it in week five. Christian Kirk hurt his ankle on the very last play of the game. There's no word yet, but it did look like a high ankle sprain or potentially even a knee injury. It looks kind of bad. So keep an eye on Christian Kirk and what his status might be moving forward. Kenny Stills hurt his hamstring. Dontrell Inman hurt his quad. Brashad Perriman hurt his hamstring. Jakeem Grant left the game with a hamstring. Mike Williams just straight up missed the game. So did Travis Benjamin from the Chargers. Only Keenan Allen basically remains healthy in the Chargers receiving core. Uh, Terry McLaurin didn't play with the hamstring injury. He could be in danger of missing next week as well against the Patriots. Danny, Danny Amendola didn't play. Demir Bird didn't play. Michael Gallup's going to be out another few weeks. Traquan Smith will be out another few weeks. They had just said this morning AJ Green is going to miss another few weeks, although he may yep. be milking this to try to get traded. I don't know Tyreek Hill he's gonna miss another few weeks Deshaun Jackson his groin injury we're not sure where he's at uh, it's been two weeks now he could end up returning but that is a bad injury for a speed player and if he's not going to be 100% you're probably not going to see him on the field Richard Higgins missed another game Demarius Thomas coming off this bye week for the Jets I mean you don't want to have Demarius Thomas anyway but he was dealing with a hamstring problem Albert Wilson missed another game with his calf injury he should return after the bye week that's probably why he ended up uh, missing out again Alan Hearns could come back with his concussion as well and Taylor Gabriel missed week four with a concussion injury it's a lot of injuries Bukes yeah, that was uh, it was pretty massive, and a lot of those guys are on my season long team. So let's you know let's go, baby. That was an awesome week for injuries. But um, yeah, that, there's that, a lot. Those guys are on your season long team, and you have like the worst team of all time. <laughs> I have a lot of Devontae Adams. Oh, okay. that was a bad one. Mike Williams, that was another bad one. I mean, he hasn't been that that much of a factor either, but I at least figured this season he'd be doing a little bit more than he has been. Oh, see, I, I when you chimed in, you said, oh, all these guys are on my team. I thought you meant like the very end of that list, like you were starting Albert Wilson, oh, no. Demarius <laughs> Thomas, and Taylor Gabriel. <laughs> 
I did draft Demarius Thomas in the last round, but then I ended up just changing my you're, mind like an hour later. Such I flicked a fucking him off. Patriots homer. It's sickening. Demarius, uh, no, I'm not. Demarius Thomas. Why did you draft Demarius Thomas then? Because Nikhil Harry was going on the IR. And you thought At that time. old man, Demarius Thomas, was going to be the answer. <laughs> it's a bench spot, Pat. That's all we're talking about is bench spots. Ben, ben, bench spots are have actual value if you didn't know that. I'd love to see your benches. I, I mean, they're pretty great. I'm not going to lie to you. It's a lot of uh, Josh Allen on my bench now because I went Lamar, Josh Allen. Now I can like try to trade one of them. But stupid Josh Allen got hurt. Makes me sad. Right. Me so that's sad. Not, that, that, that doesn't help you out too well. Well, it was one of these days, you and I can compare. We'll compare benches. We'll see what we look like after our jumping contest, which, by the way, uh, Jimmy Graham did twice last night. Did a jumping contest? Uh, Jimmy Graham was jumping up in the air again. I don't know if you caught that during Jimmy, his, you know, nine target barrage. I say Jimmy Graham didn't play yesterday. Oh, on Thursday. I'm sorry. On Thursday. <laughs> yeah. Uh, tight ends might want to stop trying to hurdle people. We'll get to that when we get to tight end injuries. But. <laughs> so the guy that you probably should have put on your bench was Philip Dorsett. He's number one in the waiver wire power rankings here at wide receiver. It's just a great opportunity for him. The Patriots schedule now that Buffalo is out of the way is super easy for the next little bit. Uh, so again, he's going to see six, seven, eight targets a game from Tom Brady. He's going to see tertiary coverage. It's the perfect situation for him. And, as long as they don't rush for four touchdowns a game, that there's going to be opportunity for him to score touchdowns as well. Golden Tate returns from suspension this week. Danny Dimes chucking it around. Not a great matchup, but someone you want to have in a PPR league. Marquez Valdez-Scantling would be my preferred pickup over Geronimo Allison, but he is owned in too many leagues. Allison is not, and I do expect Adams to miss some time, so he's number three. Robbie Anderson, everyone cut bait. I don't know if Darnold's going to be back this week or next week. He's... He's cleared non-contact for the week, but he still needs to get his conditioning up to play in week five against the Eagles. But if somehow Darnold plays against the Eagles, you're going to want to pick up and play Robbie Anderson as well because that secondary is atrocious. Preston Williams, Cole Beasley, Mohamed Sanu, Paul Richardson, A.J. Brown, Nelson Aguilar. I think the one that people would have the biggest problem with is probably A.J. Brown considering he's had two really big games right now. But A, this is a horrific matchup. If you just really want to do it, you can pick him up next week after he plays Buffalo. But it's really hard to imagine this guy can be a sustainable fantasy forcing three targets a game he can't turn them all into 70 yard touchdowns no and you know obviously the titans are you know they want to run the ball with derrick henry here so you know he's not somebody i'm crazy about uh you know in in your rankings that you have there uh cole beasley actually kind of stuck out to me in that same range uh he's got a pretty good matchup this week as well which i like um so against uh you know obviously uh, against the titans you know he's probably going to be facing logan ryan i don't know how much of that production for sanu last week came specifically against ryan but you know obviously sanu plays mostly in the slot uh nine receptions on 12 targets for 91 yards and then beasley's been right you know Racking up the targets as a late 23 targets over the last two weeks, 15 receptions for 123 yards. So if you're going in that lower range, uh, Beasley was the one that really kind of stuck out to me. I think he actually could be a tad bit higher on the rankings, but yeah, I'm not crazy about using, you know, a waiver on Brown. Uh, I know he's had two really big weeks, but like I said, the Titans want to run the ball with Derrick Henry. The, the biggest issue with Beasley is that he has such little touchdown equity that he needs yes. to kind of go seven for 70 just to have a really good game. And I don't know when Josh Allen's coming back. If it's Matt Berkeley throwing him the ball, like I, I have zero confidence in him. No, and I agree with that. I mean, Barkley wasn't, you know, for just being tossed into the situation against probably arguably one of the best defenses right now. It wasn't a horrific performance like when Bridgewater was thrown in uh, in week one. But, 
yeah, it's it's obviously not ideal. If Josh Allen was out under center, then you know we can start talking a little bit more. But you know, obviously, we want to watch that during the week. Obviously, you want to have Josh Allen over Barkley there. But given the situation, Barkley could have been, I think, a lot worse. If somehow Sam Darnold does play, like I said, Robbie Anderson becomes a viable play. Jamison Crowder has been dropped in a lot of leagues. He's not quite below the 60% threshold yet to actually make the waiver wireless. I think he's like 64%, but a lot of people will probably be dropping him here. With Darnold back, like Jamison Crowder's a Cole Beasley type of guy uh, and probably ends up seeing a few better matchups here upcoming as well if Darnold can be back. And for sure. And obviously the, you know, the jets are most likely going to be playing behind in the majority of these games coming up. So I like Crowder, uh, you know, obviously he's a, their slot guy can get some of those quick targets there from, uh, from Darnold, but you know, Robbie Anderson is your classic boomer bust guy. It's kind of like, you know, a younger Deshaun Jackson. He's got to catch a couple of those deep shots to really bring back on a weekly basis. Wasn't used terrible, you know, a, a ton in the red zone last season and most of his, uh, touchdowns came out of the red zone so obviously if you're looking for those big play shots Robbie Anderson is definitely your guy but um, obviously Darnold is a big upgrade over whatever there was a Luke Falk at this point but they're running out there right now but I think they said they're most likely going to see him in week six not week five at least that's what I saw last week I don't know if that's changed since then Paul what are you trying to tell me from behind the camera the Jets did not get the news they wanted on quarterback Sam Darnold who wasn't cleared uh, from Mono, but he can, do, he can begin to do some things like throwing. That's from Ian Rappaport right now. Yeah, I saw it was a, he's clear for non-contact work, so the guy might have to hit a treadmill for the first time in his life. Probably not going to play this <laughs> week, but it's possible. Like It's all going to depend on his spleen, I guess, and I guess conditioning after that. If his spleen shrinks down a little bit, he should be okay, but they probably don't want to run him out there in this situation. But uh, we'll end up seeing. But those guys for the future, once Darnold comes back, actually do have value again. Any other receivers you really want to get into? Like the only thing, uh, the, the only thing with Sanu is I, I didn't quite realize it until you start going to look at his stats. Yeah, he had the big like it gets overshadowed that he had this big game or at least the high target share from the Tennessee game just because Julio was taken out, Ridley was taken out. It was just a lot of Hooper and Sanu, but he's had at least six targets in every single game. He had six catches a week ago against the Colts. He hasn't had fewer than four in any game this year. He's not like a big upside guy, but there's only so many of these players that are available in deeper leagues. Like you're playing in a 10, you're playing in a 12. You don't need to consider those guys, but anything larger than that, we're getting into bye weeks. We just talked about all the injuries. Like, if Jarvis Landry was your wide receiver three and you have a shitty bench, you might need to run out Muhammad Sanu against the Texans this week. And he's not awful. He's not going to score you zero. No, but he's like, you know... Like I, I look at, I just look at Mohamed Sanu when he's like, he's not a big red zone threat. You know, it's Jones and Ridley over though, even though Ridley hasn't done much so far this season either, but you know, Sanu is definitely the third option in this, in this offense behind Julio and Calvin Ridley. He's more matchup based for me. Like he's not somebody I would be starting every single week. Like, you know, if I, if I'm trying to choose between somebody, even though they're on a bye, you know, Preston Williams still being out there is kind of surprising to me. I know the dolphins are just a shitty offense overall, but since Rose has been the starter, he's accounted for 30% of his targets so far. And, you know, obviously that's somebody they want, they want to get to the ball to, We'll see how much it affects it when Albert Wilson gets back into the mix. But, you know, at least, you know, the Dolphins are going to be constantly throwing in every game that they're in. So I would probably like, again, he's not playing this week, but I prefer Preston Williams over somebody like Sanu on a week to week basis. Yeah, I do think that the return of Albert Wilson might impact that a lot in 
realistically, Preston Williams couldn't have had better opportunities than he had like the past three weeks, and he still hasn't really done a ton with them. He's only like 3% owned, though, which I thought was hilarious. The best part of Sunday was I watched the games with Garyon, and Garyon's prop of the week was Josh Rosen over 190.5 190. yards, and he threw like 148 in the first half or something like that. And he was taking victory laughs about how smart he was at halftime. I think Josh Rosen threw for like 31 yards in the second half. It was just fucking <laughs> There was another one. Uh, Patrick Mahomes was at three fifteen and a half, and he threw for three fifteen. It's fu- it's funny about Patrick Mahomes. Like for zero touchdowns, he still had over twenty fantasy points. An awesome game. He still had an awesome game for someone who doesn't really run either. Like he's just unbelievable. Like he is. Uh, he is the face of the franchise for sure. Like that is, of course he is. But like in terms of being the number one overall fantasy quarterback, like him and Lamar. I mean, Lamar ended up like with the garbage time stat total, but he had all the rushing yards before that. Like that's why those two are the two best quarterbacks by far at this point. Like even in their worst possible games, they're still really good. Well, of course, you know that we all touchdowns matter, but that garbage Snead uh, touchdown, uh, I think it was just a few seconds left. It was like a 50 yard bomb that, uh, that, that didn't hurt either. Yeah. It just, it was like a, it was a bit of an out route to Snead. He made one guy miss and the Browns were like, eh, who cares? Just let him go. <laughs> yeah, whatever. Whatever. We'll we'll give this one to you. I still I, I wish I was on that uh plus seven for the the Browns. I I I and I've even said it here. I, I was giving way too much respect to that Ravens defense. They are banged up. They just they, I think they're gonna this is not the Ravens defense that we uh, once knew for sure. No, of course not. And they were incredibly undercursed this week after Tim declared Cleveland season over, that they were gonna not win a game the rest of the season. <laughs> This is what happens. Uh, tight ends. That's what happens. Tight end injuries, the biggest one. We talk about trying to hurdle over people for no reason. Sometimes you get upended and land on your head like TJ Hawkinson and have a concussion. Ooh. He's going to avoid injured reserve, but that the fact they were considering injured reserve means you can probably drop TJ Hawkinson at this point. Uh, Logan Thomas is going to fill in in the meantime. You don't want him, but I wouldn't expect to see Hawkinson back for a while. Maybe, maybe he's superhuman, ends up coming back, but the – the diagnosis does not look great. Vance McDonald will not play tonight against the Cincinnati Bengals, but he should be questionable for next week. He's on that fringe of a potential pickup. He's still owned in more than 60% of leagues, though. Jordan Reed still isn't playing. He might retire. He might play next week. I have no idea what's going on with that guy. And Virgil Green did not play for the Los Angeles Chargers, and they lost their third-string tight end as well. So I think it's just Lance Kendricks out there now for the Chargers, who's actually like one of their healthier guys, which is kind of nuts. So the actual pickups at tight end, and I think you can play this one of two ways. There are two guys that I think you can pick up as potential starters moving forward if you're really hurt at tight end, or sort of the Will Disley of the week, the tight end who is playing the Cardinals. You can just pick up that guy and play him, and you can actually pick him up right now because he hasn't played yet if you don't want to spend your fab bucks for him and you play in leagues where that actually works, that waivers don't actually stop, and you can pick up anyone as a free agent who hasn't played yet this week. But I have Chris Herndon at number one. He will return after next week for the Jets coming off of suspension. Ben Watson, also coming off suspension, returns for the Patriots this week. Uh, they could use some tight... They could use some tight end help because the Lacoste Tute and Izzo, not really cutting it. And we know Ben Watson, smartest man in football, former Patriot himself. So he's going to fit right back in with this team. I actually like him as a spec pickup. These guys would be like tight end 12, 13, 14, 15, like that range if you're really hurt. But Tyler Eifert's the one. Like he plays tonight. 
the, I mean, he has to escape tonight without getting hurt at least, but at home against the Cardinals, it's setting up to be like DraftKings chalk week for Tyler Eifert. And I'll be like, Tyler Eifert sucks. So I'm going to fade him. Then he scores two touchdowns. That's how this is setting up, but he is the stream tight end of the week. Yeah, I would, um, I would have to agree there. Obviously the, the Cardinals have just been, it, it's honestly pathetic. Like what they're allowing tight ends to do. Six touchdowns scored already uh, again against the Cardinals, and no other team has allowed more than three. And then you look at the yardage they've allowed, 431. That's more than about 70 yards more than the Buccaneers, who are second in that. Like, it's just pathetic. The only thing I worry about with Eifert is that he just really hasn't been on the field much. He had 28 snaps last week, uh, 37 and 18 the two weeks prior. So it's not like he's on the field a ton. But obviously, the opportunities don't need to be that uh, that much against his Cardinals defense against tight ends, if you want to call it that. Uh, he's going to be very popular in season-long pickups and DFS purposes. Like, he's going to be the guy. But, like, you know, these shitty players as chalk each and every week is going to bust eventually. And, you know, Eifert's a perfect candidate to be one of those guys. Yeah, like, I wouldn't drop anyone like Will Disley in order to pick up Tyler Eifert. I think Disley's pretty much ingrained into this offense at this point that he is a legit guy. Like, if you... If, if you somehow picked up Will Disley because you had Vance McDonald and he was hurt or you just didn't like how he was trending, like, I would drop Vance McDonald and just keep Will Disley at this point. Like, you don't need to go and make that move for Eifert. I'm just talking about, like, if you just have, like, legit bad tight ends and you need to stream someone, you can stream Eifert this week. But I would still rather pick up Herndon than Watson, and hopefully that just works out as being your tight end for the rest of the year. The only thing I know, I'm not sure about Watson is just how much usage he's really going to get in the receiving game. Like, I feel like he's going to be someone who's just going to be blocking most of the time. Like, obviously, Brady hasn't gone to really any of his tight ends because no one's really doing anything. Izzo, Lacoste, like, they, they've been absolutely nothing in the receiving game. And he has so many good receivers around him with Dorsett, with Edelman and Gordon. So I don't see how much Watson is going to be used here. Uh, one guy I was actually a little confused about, I'm just wondering if this is because of ownership, but I can't imagine, is uh, Gerald Everett didn't crack your list at all? No, I mean, I don't I, I, I don't really expect the Rams to be putting up 50 points per game. Now Higby's back. If Higby had been out longer, Gerald Everett would have been on that list for me, and I can chuck him on here. I just, I can't envision myself ever starting Gerald Everett. I just can't do it. I can see, no, play, I can I, see I, taking a punt play on him on DraftKings, but for my season-long team, like, I feel like I can do better. And, uh, you know, it's not like I'm, like, needing to play Everett, but, you know, for teams that potentially just lost Hawkinson, the going up against the Seattle Seahawks, it's not the worst matchup that he could draw. Like, if you're using him for a one-week flyer until maybe we get some more information on Hawkinson, like, I don't see him as being a, a bad option. Like, I would probably play Everett over Watson. Neck this week? Hmm. Maybe yeah. for maybe for one week, but these are Watson for, just getting back into the mix and yeah, everything. Well, uh, and if you had listened, I said the first two guys are spec pickups for the rest of the season. Eifert is the guy that you can pick up to stream if you need him in that circumstance. So I would actually just pick up Eifert then, because Eifert's widely available. Then you don't need Gerald Everett. Okay, that's fair. I mean, like I said, Eifert is not someone that I'm really banking on here. Like I said, his snap count's pretty low. Um, so you know, obviously the opportunities are going to be limited here for him, but you know, the Bengals are probably obviously uh, going to be playing. Well, actually, I don't even know if they're going to be playing from behind. I, <laughs> not that I even realize. I don't know. I think this is going to end up being like a crappy game all around Bengals and Cardinals. Yeah, very much so. Cause when we get to the quarterbacks, <laughs> Andy Dalton is number one for me against Arizona at home. Right. Uh, then I have Jacoby Brissett at home against Kansas city. Uh, I have Sam Darnold number three right now in case he was going to play because any, 
decent quarterback uh, can end up being fine. Jameis Winston at New Orleans, Kirk Cousins at the Giants. Basically, it's Dalton, Brissett, or Bust if you're going streaming this week, I think. Yeah, I think Brissett is definitely the most attractive option because obviously, like I, like we've been saying, you know, there'll be plenty of opportunities for points here. And especially if you get T.Y. Hilton back, like what a better, you know, what what a great quarterback to stream, you know, get someone of that caliber. Uh, obviously, the tight ends, you know, we saw them again. Eric Ebron just absolutely ruining his reputation. I think he had three drops before he finally got that touchdown there. But we kind of saw Jacoby Brissett leaning on Jack Doyle a little bit too, there too as well. The Chiefs are nothing special against opposing tight ends. So even if Hilton was out of this game, I wouldn't mind. I would much rather play Percent over Dalton in this one. Like, let's see what Dalton has tonight against the Cardinals. What pretty weak matchup overall. But I think Percent is by far the number one option to stream over Dalton. Even against the Cardinals? I, I mean, where do you think more points is going to come from? From the Kansas City Chiefs game with the Colts or this game? Yeah, you know, a lot of the points in the Kansas City Chiefs game are scored by the Kansas City Chiefs, not the Colts. I I understand do, that. Do but, you okay, so, understand that? Of course. Okay. I, come on. Like you would rather you would rather have Dalton over Brissett. Even yeah. if okay, so if Hilton's healthy, are you still taking that? Yeah. Why? Because it's against the Cardinals defense who give up all of the passing yards. And we know that, listen, the Bengals don't enjoy running the ball. And Dalton has looked good in spurts so far this season. He could, I mean, A.J. Green's probably not going to be back. Let's be real here. But like with Boyd, with the speed of Ross, and if we like Eifert as a pickup, just the touchdown equity is very high in that game. And if the Colts, the Colts have a better chance of trying to keep this game close against the Chiefs. And if they do that, they're not going to be throwing a ton. Like, even this week against Brissett, it got into a circumstance where he got piled up a lot of his points because of garbage time by being down, and he just ended up throwing for three touchdowns. He didn't actually have that very good of a day. That if you rely on him throw, dropping back to pass in this game like 50 times, that's probably just not going to happen. I like him enough because he can throw touchdowns. The game script should work in his favor. But the game script is going to work in Andy Dalton's favor against his bad pass defense. Uh, I, I still would rather Jacoby Brissett, like I, I, as a streaming option against the Chiefs. I just I, I like Brissett more on this spot than Dalton. Just uh, it's Andy Dalton. <laughs> sure, Andy Dalton's fine. Like let's talk about the injuries for a second. Like Mitch Trubisky has a tear in his shoulder. He might be done for the season. Uh, Josh Allen, we don't know what's going on with him. He could play next week. He could be out a month. Uh, Minshew hurt his ankle towards the end of the game. He should be all right. Drew Brees, Sam Darnold, Cam Newton. Uh, Newton and Breeze will most definitely miss week five. Sam Darnold probably misses week five. But, like, if you put Andy Dalton on the Bears right now, they're a substantially better team over a healthy Mitch Trubisky or a backup Chase Daniel. No, that's true. I do agree with that. Every time that Dalton has been able to have time to throw in his career, he's been pretty effective. I'm not saying he's a top five quarterback, but he's right around – with time to pass, he's right around league average. And league average is – what you're shooting for here, if you're looking for streams in a good matchup. No, and, you know, like I, I don't disagree with you there. Like week one, he looked awesome. I'm talking about Dalton here. He, he was like hitting everything that he was throwing out there. He looked amazing in that for one, but you know, he's certainly coming down. Like obviously mix mixes to getting the ball, you know, steadily more and more each week in the first three weeks here thus far. But I would just feel better seeing how he looks tonight. I think that's where I would kind of make my last decision here if it came down to Dalton or Brissett. But as of right now, from what I've seen, I would rather Brissett this spot over Dalton. 
Okay, streaming defenses, if you want to pick anyone up here. Just because of the uncertainty at quarterback uh, with the Buffalo Bills, you might get Tennessee against Matt Barkley. It could be a high, you probably won't see a high volume of passing against, just not a lot of scoring there. Um, who else are we going to have? No, no, the Titans are playing Buffalo this week, not Oakland. I, I fucked it up there. Uh, yeah, the copy and paste game is tough. Carolina uh, at home against Jacksonville, uh, especially if Minshew is banged up a little bit. Uh, that's just a decent matchup. Not a ton of great streamers, like must-have streamers. San Francisco, the Browns, uh, both of the teams in that game could just be high turnovers. Philadelphia against the Jets, especially if Luke Falk ends up starting. And then the Giants against Minnesota because Kirk Cousins has been like actively bad. Uh, it's not a great one, but you know, if you're, re- if you're relying on the Giants two weeks in a row, uh, if you picked them up to play the Redskins, then fantastic. It really worked out for you. But streaming-wise, it'd be Tennessee, Carolina, probably the 49ers, and then I'd probably end up stopping and just rolling with whoever I had on my team anyway. I don't mind the 49ers. Like, I know we saw some really good offense from the Browns last week, but, you know, Mayfield has been having problems with turning over the ball, like with the interceptions, with getting sacked. I don't think that's a terrible one because I think we still have this misconception that the 49ers can't generate any turnovers, but that's been completely different so far this season. Like, they've looked like a completely different off- uh, defensive unit so far. So, with the way Mayfield has been turning over the ball, I don't mind that one at all. Uh, Tennessee, obviously, would be the top choice. I, I definitely agree with that one, but I would move San Francisco go up over Jacksonville because uh, Gardner Minshew was doing a little what? It's Carolina, not Jacksonville. Jacksonville's far too owned to pick up the stream. Oh, I'm sorry. That's what I meant to say is I would move San Francisco over Carolina because I don't know if you saw it, but Gardner Minshew was doing a little uh, Akeem the Dream uh, shake out there when he tossed that touchdown uh, to, uh, I can't even remember the backup's name there, but uh, he's looking sharp, man. He's looking better and better every week. I don't know if I want to stream a defense against him at this point. Oh, man, James O'Shaughnessy, the Irish assassin. You better learn the name. That guy loves big red zone touchdowns. No, 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 no. It wasn't to that one. It was the um, the Fournette's backup. I, I can't remember oh, his to, name. To, to Raquel Armstead, actually one of the better yes, backups yes, yes, in all yes, of them. Now, you want to talk about, like, real handcuffs? Raquel Armstead is a legitimate handcuff, if anything ever happens to Fournette. Yeah, because especially with the amount of work that Fournette was getting there, if they yeah. can, uh, if he starts getting that type of workload, absolutely. Uh, I just worry that Minshew might not be 100%. Like, he was gimpy at the end of that yeah. game when he like when he got sacked and landed on no he didn't get sacked he ended up with like a two-yard completion and they ended up getting the roughing the passer penalty but he rolled his ankle over so if he doesn't have that same mobility he might not be shaking and bacon no but he did uh i i did like that i i, I once i saw i said akeem the african dream baby that's what he looked like out there <laughs> all right Let's talk about Monday Night Football just very briefly. Tonight, we have the Bengals at the Steelers. This line has dropped from four to three and a half for the Steelers. I know, I know Feinberg, who's been good at Thursday and Monday nights, is all over the Bengals in this matchup. Do you think the Steelers can pull this off? Uh, I, I, don't, I don't think so. I, I think I, I think this is a crap game overall. Like, there's not much to like in this one here, but I think really they need to get James Conner going if they want to have any any chance in this one here. I mean, Conner has just been absolutely brutal to start the season. Just can't get anything going on the ground. Uh, he's not been used too much in the in the passing game. I think that's going to be the biggest key to this one here. But, uh, you know, I think you like the the – the Cincinnati side a little bit more here. There's just more favorable matchups like for Andy Dalton here with like with Tyler Boyd, uh, with John Ross. I think they could end up, you know, kind of carving up this uh, this Pittsburgh secondary. Uh, it's been having a lot of issues. So I, I like the Bengals in this one, uh, honestly, but it's I think this is going to end up being an ugly game overall. 
Well, the last time that we saw the Bengals, John Ross put the ball on the ground, received no targets after that against the Bills last week, and all of a sudden, Auden Tate was in the game. I'm looking at the player yeah. props right now. Auden Tate ended up with double-digit targets in that contest. Now, I don't know what his role is going to be, but he had clearly usurped Damon Willis on the depth chart. I'm just thinking about this from a player prop perspective. Like, you can bet Boyd over 73 and a half yards. You can bet Ross over 50 and a half yards. I mean, that might be one one catch for John Ross because he's so fast. But Auden Tate's over-under in this game is 35 and a half. Do you think that he's going to play the same sort of snap share that he did in week three? That 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 should hit the over. Well, and the other thing, too, is like that was against Buffalo, too, which, you know, I think overall they, they're not getting enough respect for their secondary. It's not anything fantastic, but it's not one that I'm like looking to target against on a weekly basis. But, yeah, he had 88 yards against them. Like, for, what's the odds on that? Did you mention that? Yeah, they're minus 120. It's it's funny, like the receptions are being bet more. Like if you try to bet Tyler Boyd over five and a half receptions, you have to lay 175 to win 100. And the same thing with Auden Tate. He's at two and a half receptions right now. And to bet the over two and a half receptions is minus 175. Yet it's just standard VIG of minus 120 on the over of yardage, which would lean me towards the yardage prop. Yeah, obviously. Yeah, when I when I do player props, I I usually shy away from the receptions. I like doing the the yardage so much more because obviously it just takes one, you know, especially if it's a, a favorable number. But I don't I don't mind that one at all. You know, obviously Tate came out of nowhere last week. Like no one really saw that. Like I even mentioned to you when he started catching, I was like, wait a minute, who is this? So I don't I don't mind that one because like I said, the uh, the Steelers secondary has been nothing special. So if they're gonna have to uh, get the ball to you know to Tate, that's really not a big total to overcome. If they get the ball to take, like, here's, here's the difference between something like that. So you can go with the 35 and a half as overall yardage. But if you think that's something that can be beaten, because uh, you said, hey, stuff like this can happen in just one reception, you can bet, like, the over 19 and a half longest reception. What's John Ross? John Ross's is 22 and a half. I'm not certain on that, but maybe he didn't do it against the Bills. But it feels like the first two weeks he easily went over that mark. I'm going to have to look that up, but... 55 like and 66 the first two weeks. What do you have in week three? 15. 15 was his longest reception. I yeah, mean, so 15, 66, 55. I feel like you can get to this Pittsburgh defense. I'm not going to lie to you. No, I, I, I totally agree, too. So I, I think that I usually don't take the, the longest receptions. I think those are just such a, you know, you're flipping a coin on those ones there, quite frankly. I, I like the yardage ones the most when I'm doing these player props. So I would probably take the yardage on that one, too, as well. The, the It's too much of a sweat for those long receptions for me. I'd rather just take the yardage. I always want to look at James Conner's game log from, you know, it's, it happened over a week ago. I can't even remember. I feel like he had four catches for like 30 something yards in that game against San Francisco. Let's see four for 14 on four targets. Four for 14. <laughs> yeah, he has, he has four targets in every single game, at least three catches four twice. His over under is three and a half receptions for, for receptions. Uh, and that's actually juiced down. It's minus 110, not minus 120. I could see myself getting behind that. That's not a terrible one. Deontay Thompson is like huge plus money to hit the over of three and a half receptions tonight. Really? What's what's that at right now? It's at plus 130. God, I feel like you just got to lay that down just for the odds alone. 
I mean, plus 130 is not for, for, for a prop. It's good. It's not the craziest thing in the world. Well, yeah, yeah, of course. I mean, I, you know, if I'm, you know, betting a money line or whatnot, but no, for a prop, that's pretty damn good. Like I keep going back to it. That John uh, Brown one in week two, when it was at three and a half receptions, it was like plus 140. It was ridiculous. Anytime you can get a prop like that within a mismatch, like that would definitely be something you want to target. Well, it's funny. Despite the fact that that's huge plus money, his over under of actual yardage might be better. It's only 39 and a half is the over under. Uh, but that is probably what? 120? It's minus 120, but I feel more comfortable of that hitting the over than the three and a half receptions. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. But I mean, I, I would definitely throw a sprinkle on the receptions though with the plus money. I mean, I mean, I try to limit this to like one prop to play potentially three <laughs> so I can go two and one and win money. I don't want to bet every single one of these. Well, I would say of the ones that we've talked about, I'd probably take the over on the John Connor receptions then. James Connor, John that Connor. Probably- John Connor is, you know, hanging out with the Terminator. James Connor is playing in the backfield for the Steelers. Yes. (laughs) They're the same guy, probably. Yeah. uh, Early spreads before we get out of here. I actually bet one already, which I so rarely do early in the week. But I saw the number and it's already moved. So if you want, and it's moved again since we've been talking, uh, the Patriots open at minus 14 and a half at Washington, so I immediately bet 14 and a half. It is now 15 and a half, and that number is not going to stop. Right now, we're looking at a situation where Colt McCoy might be starting, and that might actually be the best option for the Redskins, but whether it's Keenum or Haskins, if McCoy doesn't play, I just don't see how they score points against this defense. I actually have a bet already on that too as well. It was the minus 14 and a half parlayed with the under of 44 and a half because I just don't see how the Redskins are going to get any points in this uh, in this game. But whether it's Haskins, whether it's McCoy, whoever ends up starting here, uh, this defense has obviously shown that they can shut down the best of them so far. So I am definitely on that uh, 14 and a half money, uh, 14 and a half spread and under 44 and a half points. I don't like the under at all, uh, only because the Patriots could cover that number by themselves which is always something you need to watch out for in games like this when one really good team is playing one atrocious team that definitely turns the ball over a ton. At least with Buffalo, you knew their defense was so good that the Patriots weren't going to run away with it on offense. Uh, Even when we spoke last week, how did the Patriots win that game? Well, they forced Josh Allen into something stupid. They get a defensive score and just milk the clock the rest of the time, and that's exactly what happened. The Patriots weren't going out and dropping 40 on the Bills. The Bills' beat defense is just too good. They can do that to Washington. No, they certainly can. And, you know, that did come into factor here, but it's just 44 and a half points just feels like a lot for this game. Like, I understand that the Patriots could definitely cover that themselves, but it's just, you know, if this was in, if this was any lower than that, then I probably, but I thought 44 and a half was a pretty fair number for this game. The other one that I was looking at is Buffalo plus three in Tennessee, just because I think that defense is so good that even if Berkeley, like if this was Josh Allen, I'd probably just super lock that in and just bet the bet the farm on it right now. But, you know, he's probably not going to play, and it's going to be Matt Berkeley, which means he could throw them out of this game and not have the upside to come back like Josh Allen does. But, you know, the over-under for that right now is 38-and-a-half. I don't see how that doesn't go down. Like, are people really buying the Titans that, like, they can score points all of a sudden? I mean, they played Atlanta. Big, big whoop. They're not doing that against Buffalo. <laughs> yeah, this was one of the games that was not released yet for me. So I was I kept checking out to see what the numbers were. But uh, I, I, I do like that. If that's what the Buffalo Bills are going to be. at, What was that over under again? Uh, it was thirty eight and a half. Yeah, that just mm, that that feels a little bit too high. It, it, I would I'm, bet the under on that one, too. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I don't like betting unders of thirty eight and a half just because it's such a low number. However, oh, unders you- are the worst. 
if you tease, if you like, even if you do like a six point teaser on that, like uh, I talked about this yesterday on the Sunday live show, which people really should be watching, uh, that it was a six point teaser of teasing Buffalo up to 13 and teasing the over under up to 48 and taking the under. I think this is something else you can do in this game right now. You can tease the bills up to either eight and a half or nine, wherever you have them and then tease the under up to 44 and a half for the under. Like, I think that's where you want to go here. Yeah, that's that's much, much more attractive than, than what they have out. Uh, I do like that teaser a lot. I haven't dabbled too much in teasers. I've actually been doing it a lot more lately. I uh, haven't had much luck yet, so maybe I'm not the best person to be uh, acknowledging that. But I will take your word for that one. All right. Uh, any other of the early spreads really jump out to you? Like, should the Vikings be favored by four and a half at the Giants? I know Danny Dimes has now played Tampa's defense, which... You know, spoiler alert, not good. Uh, against the run, quite good. Against the pass, not so hot. And then the Redskins. Like, this is a real defense he has to play this week. Yeah, that's not a bad one either. The The one that came out to me was uh, because of my uh, misfortune. I, I like the Texans minus four and a half against the Falcons because the uh, Falcons simply can't cover the spread. One and three so far this year. Uh, six and 14 since last year. Houston, two and two. Not another great team against the spread, 9-11-1 since 2018, but that was the one that I liked so far as well. I haven't taken that one yet. I was putting one on the uh, Patriots-Redskins, but that was the one that kind of came out to me so far because the Falcons are just so, so bad against the spread. Yeah, I think that game is just an absolute stay away. Both those teams, I don't know what they're up to. I can actually see the Falcons covering that spread, but if you like the four and a half... Of course they would! If you like the four and a half, I'm telling you, take it right now because I'm already seeing it five and five and a half on another place. People are steaming the Texans early. Ah, shit. All right. We're going to have to take care of that. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't need that getting any higher. Thank you. All right, Steve, so Buch- do- Steve Buchanan, <laughs> where can everyone check you out? Yep, so be on uh, on Twitter, SBuchanan24, and then here on uh, at DraftKings on DK Live and all that jazz here at DraftKings. All right, uh, you can follow me at the PME, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. If you follow me on Instagram and heart one of the sports photos that goes up there and leave your DraftKings handle in the comment section, you will be in a draw for 20 DK bucks, just as you will if you subscribe to the audio podcast for the Pat Mayo Experience. Download the episodes, write a review, five stars, DraftKings handle. Something nice about the show, you'll be in a draw for 20 DK bucks where the winners are announced on this show every single monday as you will if you smash the like button for this episode leave your DraftKings handle in the comment section tell me if you'd burn a number one waiver priority on anyone this week again i would not there's just not a lot of great pickups to be had here anyway you can check out all my work on dkplaybook.com check the description whenever the pat mayo experience DraftKings listeners league is released i will put the link in there if you want to reserve your spot it fills Basically by Friday, so you want to get in early to make sure you have your spot in the best tournament on DraftKings because there is no rake associated with it, and it's $5,000 for first prize. You cash in it. Even if you min cash, you win double your money. So it really is the best tournament on DraftKings. But thank you all for watching. I'm Pat Mayo. I'll see you next time. Experience! Experience!